early signing period is nearly over, so that means Locked on Irish headed back to the hardwood in this Friday edition Locked on Irish podcast. What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing well. Happy holidays to everybody. Next show after this one, Monday, man, we're getting close. Getting close. It's almost that magical time of the year. Almost what everybody's been building up towards. You better get that shopping done. Don't be me, in other words. Actually, I am almost done. I know this has been an ongoing kind of monologue here of how late of a shopper I am, but I'm actually, I'm getting close now. I'm getting close. Remember, guys, Locked On Irish Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, as in your Notre Dame Fighting Irish every day. The official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. Love saying that. So awesome. Remember, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcast app you're listening to to us on right now, continue. Just make sure you're listening. Check us out. Or you know where we're at. Twitter, Facebook, at Locked On Irish. Today, we're going to preview those Hoosiers. Got the Crossroads Classic down in Indianapolis, Notre Dame, and Indiana. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll see if we build anything from that UCLA game. Was that kind of a facade because UCLA is not very good? Or did we really find something? And have we really built something up going from Detroit to UCLA to now, again, another legitimate test with Indiana? Also going to get in today talking about just touch back on the draft class, draft class, the early signing day class. That's what it seems like, the draft class. The, uh, we're going to just touch on it a little bit. How did it finish so far, where it sits with the recruiting rankings? And I kind of want to get into just something I looked up as we were just studying and talking about Chris Tyree and the importance of the running back. And, and in the age of 2019 and high-flying offenses and how we all thought we were getting away from running the ball, and it's not as important as it used to be. It got me to think back and kind of studied up on some of these national champions in the last, basically since the BCS started and then going into the college football playoff era, and how the kind of the success of a team really correlates with having a, a back or a set of backs that can really just gas yardage and uh, just the correlation there and I know we've been stuck on this running back situation but it really shows that to have an effective running back I mean the statistics show it kind of does lead to these successful teams and all four of the teams in the college football playoff I'm going to give you a stat that's just going to kind of blow you away to kind of solidify my point and then the last segment we're today we're going to just kind of do a little whip around we're also going to get some bowl picks I'm finally going to pay off on like a week old tease We'll pick the bowls for today, which kick up here in the next couple hours, and we'll pick Saturday's bowls. Uh, Also, a college basketball star is quitting in the middle of the year and going pro, and some big news out of Oklahoma, big news out of Stanford, big news out of LSU. So let's get this thing kicking. The Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. Crossroads Classic, if you guys aren't familiar with what that is. It is Notre Dame. It is Butler. It is Purdue. It is Indiana. Uh, Indiana and Purdue never play each other during this because they have the Big Ten uh, obligations to play each other. So it's uh, kind of a cycle for Notre Dame, whether or not they're going to play Indiana or Purdue. Same with Butler. Kind of a cool deal. They play down at uh, Banker's Life Fieldhouse where the Pacers play. Really cool thing. Uh, Just kind of a real showcase of Indiana basketball. And as a Pacer fan, personally, I'm a Pacer fan. Uh, it, it's cool to see my Fighting Irish also play on my Pacers floor. So I never made it out. If anybody's ever made it out to a Crossroads Classic, no matter who you're a fan of, Butler, I, I, I love Butler. I love your guys' team. I think you guys are really good this year, really good. And as football season gets over and we get closer to March Madness, we're going to talk a little more about the, the national contenders. And I think 
<laughs> Butler's back, in my opinion. I truly think Butler's back. I don't really have time today to elaborate on why I think that, but I think they're there, especially with what I will say about it is, is with the field the way it is, I can't wait till March Madness because there's no one team that I'm like, oh, there's no Zion this year. There's none of that. There, there are no Zions running around, not even close. So I'd really love to see. Uh, I'm really anxious to see how this is all going to go. I think Michigan State's really good. I think Duke is good. Um, you know, nobody really wants it right now. I thought Ohio State was good, and I think they are, but they went up and got shelled by Minnesota. You look at Louisville, super athletic. You know, they they're, they had a loss. Like Kentucky, all five stars, can't really shoot the ball. That's kind of a problem. I heard it's kind of important to be able to shoot the ball in college basketball. Just, just a thought, or basketball in general. But uh, let's get kick, get kicking with these uh, Hoosiers here, led by Archie Miller, Ohio guy. He uh, started his uh, career down as a head coach in Dayton. Really took Dayton to another level. They had that nice run in 2013-2014 to the Elite Eight, knocked off the Buckeyes along the way. It was really an impressive year, kind of put Dayton on the map. And I have some friends down there that said that was wild when they were making that run. They knocked off Ohio State, they knocked off Syracuse, they knocked off Stanford, and finally were derailed uh, by Florida in the Elite Eight by 10, 62-52. But um, really, I mean, Archie and Sean, they're just really good coaches, despite everything off the court that Sean's been mixed up with out in Arizona. Both really good coaches, and from everything I understand, really good people, too. Uh, But it is safe to say, however, Archie is struggling overall at Indiana. Indiana's 10-1 this year playing really good basketball right now but just going back a little bit on Archie's career you know he had what six 20 win seasons five 20 win seasons he only didn't make the tournament twice and one of those years he made the NIT uh, took a team to the elite eight as I said and then the last two years took his team to the tournament had a 27 and nine year a 25 and eight year just really really good basketball being played by the Flyers down there I mean, you just can't deny what he did down there and just really made a name for himself, truly made a name for himself in college basketball, and he wasn't no longer just Sean Miller's brother. But since he's been at Indiana, 16-15, and 19-16, that ain't good enough. They haven't been to a tournament yet under, under Archie's watch. They were in the NIT last year. Um, but they're 10-1 and this year, and with again, with the way – that this season looks and the parody that's going on, I can't see any reason why Indiana would not be in the tournament this year. Uh, this season, their only loss is to Wisconsin. They got completely shelled up in Madison, 84-64. But, I mean, they have some nice wins. Uh, win over UConn, a 7-3 UConn, who nearly beat Xavier. They beat Princeton. They beat a nice Louisiana Tech team. They beat Nebraska. Uh, last game, that was actually their last game. They won 96-90. to They beat Florida State, knocked a breaks off of them 80 to 64 so this team's good this is one of the better again one of the better teams we played this year uh the way the way north carolina is looking and struggling i would venture to say indiana is better than north carolina which doesn't bode well for us uh they're eight scoring 82 points per game that's in the top 25 in the country only allowing about 67 per game which is you know about right on par for where we're scoring you take away that detroit game and our uh, per game average doesn't look very good 39.5 rebounds per game. They're one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the country, snagging down about 12 per game. I think it's 12-2, I'm pretty sure is what I read. That's good enough for 58th in the country. And they shoot the mid-range jumper pretty well. They work through Trace Jackson uh, Davis. Uh, the kid's a stud. 
Freshman, 6'9", 245 pounds. They're shooting 54% as a team overall from the floor. 56th ranked in the country in that stat. Another deep team. Another 10-man lineup. Just, man, that is one of the things I struggle with right now is our team's lack of depth and just not being able to match up because of that. I mean, you take away Trace Jackson Davis good, obviously. He doesn't suck. 15.1 points per game, leads the team in points, leads the team in rebounds, leads the team in blocks. He gets two blocks a game on top of everything else that he does. And he's just getting started. I mean, he's a young guy and had 25 points in his last game. Trust me, he's just getting started. He's had double figures in eight of his 11 games he's played, five double-doubles. Even without this guy, I, you know, you take all that away, and I'm still struggling with the fact that we're having to play a team with nine guys that go, they go nine deep. But as it is, we got a team that goes 10 deep and potentially 11 deep, depending upon the day. Now, they got two guards, um, Devontae Green, uh, who's actually started the last two games, didn't start any games prior to that, leads the team in made threes with 17, shoots over 40% behind the arc. Uh, Aljamie Durham, junior guard, 6'4", 181, uh, leads the team in assists right now, dishes it around, also shoots over 40% from behind the arc. Seven and a half points per game. He's got 16 made threes on the year. Uh, junior Justin Smith, 6'7", 227. 13 and a half points per game. Second on the team in points per game. Five rebounds a game. I mean, you, you can see this length, size, 6'3", 6'4", 6'7", a 6'9", stud. And then Joey Brunk, 6'11", 230-pound senior. Seven and a half points per game at 6'11". This team's going to be a problem tomorrow. This team is going to be a big problem for us if we don't take care of the basketball, and and we're going to have to have one of our best games of this year. We're going to have to have one of the best games of the year. And if I can get away with a Hoosiers quote real quick, let's let's do we have any Hoosiers quotes? Oh, I think we do. Five players on the floor functioning as one unit. Team, team, team. No more one more important than the other. And while we're doing reads, let's give a shout out to our friends at Spotify just real quick. Yeah, that was a that was a horrible segue, wasn't it? Terrible. We go from Hoosiers to Spotify. Not saying either one's bad, but so what's up, Spotify Wrapped? If you are a Spotify listener, you Spotify Wrapped to show your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at Locked On Irish on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. Welcome back, guys. So now that fake Gene Hackman's out of the room and botched his only his only uh, Hoosiers quote there, um, I just wrap up my thoughts about the game tomorrow. High noon, by the way. Um, I just I struggle to see how we can win this game. First off, if we're hanging our hat on these three pointers, make them, <laughs> make the threes. Games on ESPN, by the way, just found that. But make the threes. We have to shoot good from three, or we're not going to win this game. They'll just outpower us. They will outpower us underneath, and it's going to be a ch- test for Durham. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how Bray matches him up. Does he put him on Brunk, who's the taller guy? Does he put him on Trace Jackson Davis, or is Jackson Davis going to be guarded by Mooney? Or do you even go small against Jackson Davis? I mean, Fluger is our best defender, and he can just be an absolute pest all day long. Either way, I don't see how we win this game, and in fact, I like the average per game i think let me just uh what are they averaging did i say 82 points per game yeah 82 points per game what are we averaging right now aren't we around something like 70 something 
76. I'm going to take 82-67. I think the Hoosiers take this one, unfortunately. But I think it's close early because we play well in these Crossroads Classic games. So I think we will play well early, uh, good enough to keep it close. But I just don't think at the end of the day, I I don't think we're going to have enough to kind of push us through. If you look back at the history of these games, we've lost by 11 to Indiana. We beat Purdue in 12. We beat Indiana by 7 just shelled Purdue in 14, lost to Indiana in 15. We lost to Purdue in 16, lost to Indiana by three in 17, and actually beat Purdue last year. So, you know, anything's possible in this game, a neutral site. So it should be interesting. This is a fun one. This is a fun one. This is what kind of for in-state bragging rights. Who's the best basketball team in the state of Indiana? It's definitely not Notre Dame right now, but for one day, for one day, I think we can make a difference and uh, and really show that you know that UCLA win wasn't just some you know UCLA is terrible and they had to fly across the country. So so recruiting day, recruiting period, early day, early signing day period has come and gone essentially at this point. After that first day, really no surprises, and you know I alluded to it yesterday. Like, wow, <laughs> a little bit of the luster's kind of worn off a of signing day, right? I mean, talked about how my little wreck that I had put my car in a ditch. Granted, it was icy. I, w- I will say that it was icy out, but uh, wow, uh, you know that it was awesome. I mean, that's the new signing day. The first day of the early signing period is the new signing day. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, that, that is definitely the new signing day because pretty much everybody's signed. You still got a few guys lingering around out there, but uh, you know, Jordan Birch, that was interesting, right? He's committed to South Carolina. However, he hasn't signed the letter of intent yet. Not to my knowledge, not as this is being recorded right now, early, early, early on a Friday morning. Um, so I don't know. If that got in and it slipped under me, I apologize. So please tweet at the show at Locked On Irish. Correct me at any time. I support it. Please do. But what I wanted to get into, touching on recruiting day, was not only the early, early signing period, was not only the fact of where we ranked, but also just kind of talk about the running back position and why Chris Tyree is going to be so important and why having a complement of state, uh, you know, just a staple of backs back there is going to be so important. Um, but first things first, recruiting rankings as of this moment, we're 11th on 247 and sitting at 15th on rivals. Uh, you know, it's tough to tell. I usually trust 247 pretty well. And really, I mean, outside of Georgia, everybody else has over 20 recruits in the top 15, and we're sitting there at 15. Georgia's at number five with 19, but they also got three five stars. Uh, Miami's right behind us, 19 recruits. They don't have no five stars at all. Now, Rivals doesn't rate Tyree as a five, I don't believe. Let's see here. No, they have Tyree as a four. So that might even bump us up more. Maybe that's where we would shoot to 11. But again, 247 has us 11. That's the composite ranking. And that's a pretty good average considering we only have 18 recruits. Um, by the way, do I have any eligibility left? Can somebody check that real quick? I think I have one year left. I'm almost 99% sure I have one year left. New Mexico only has one commit. How does that happen? How, I don't care how bad they are. Davey was out there, left, whatever, whatever. How do you only have one commit in a class? That's insane. Sign me up. Pay half. Give me a half scholarship. I'll go run the ball. So speaking of running backs, what I wanted to get to is I kind of looked 
at the landscape of college football and just how the no, we all think that these passing offenses have taken over and the air raid and all this. First off, no air raid offense has ever won a national title. That's number one. Number two, we all feel like that the running game in a sense is kind of dead and it's it's really not. Actually, only five times since the start of the BCS in 1998 did a team not have a thousand yard rusher. Take that in for just a second. And a couple of those teams, Henry for Tennessee, Minor for Florida State, 970, 815, close enough. Quentin Griffin had uh, 823 yards for Oklahoma in 2000. Uh, Win for Florida. I mean, that Florida team in 06 was just very well-rounded. It it, it is interesting how they won it. He only had 699. And then in 08, Florida did it again without a 1,000-yard back. But they had six guys, including their quarterback, all or four guys, all over 600 yards. I mean, so it kind of balanced out. You have four guys going for over 600 yards. Last I checked, that's 2,500 yards between four guys. You can't deny that chunk yardage. And then you go to this year. Well, let's let's kick back just a little bit. Let's go to the start of the playoffs. Ezekiel Elliott and J, uh, JT Barrett, 1878-938. Derrick Henry, 2,200 yards. Wayne Gallman for Clemson, 1133. Damian Harris, 1,000 right on. Uh, Travis uh, uh, ATN, 1658. I mean, there is just a correlation. I mean, I can't help it. There's a correlation between a national champion and having a dominant running game. It has to happen. And then rewind to this year, Tony Jones. Okay, nice back. He was great. You can't have Tony Jones as your number one. I'm sorry. I love the kid. He's a great kid. You need a back like Tony Jones, but you can't have that being your featured back. Sebo Flemister. Nice back, great potential. Kyron Williams ended up redshirting. Jameer Smith, Jafar Armstrong, Alchi. You have to have a running game to complement your quarterback. It almost makes me feel better about some of Book's performances knowing how bad the running game was overall. When you look at the grand scheme, and I'm not saying bad as far as, oh my gosh, we just couldn't get first downs a la 2007. Um, No, I'm saying when you compare it to the top level, it's not even close. I mean, you have to, you go back to Cam Newton and uh, Michael Dyer, 1473-1093. Mark Ingram back in 09. Shoot, 2012. Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon, 1322-1108. You got to be able to run the ball to win a national title. You have to. And by run the ball, I don't mean just getting some first downs and being creative and stealing some yards and stuff. No, you have to have somebody dominant back there. Somebody that points where they're going. Somebody like a Dexter Williams. You know, Dexter had 995 yards last year in eight games. That's insane. That is insane. Uh, and that's the kind of production we're going to need going forward. No pressure, Chris Tyree, but when you're coming in here, you need some bulk on you first off because I'm scared to death that we're going to get this kid in here and just try to just every – he can't take every down. He's not an every down back year one. I don't care what anybody says. In fact, I think he's going to be better in space. I think we're first year, 8 to 11 carries per game – three to five catches per game, I think is going to be the best way to use them. And then we need somebody to step up. We 100% need somebody to step up. Now, real quick, this is the bi- this is probably the biggest thing, biggest point here, is look at the final four teams this year. ATN's got 1,500 yards. Dobbins, 1,829. Jalen Hurts, not even a running back, 1,255 yards. I mean, you go back and look at the st- statistics. You go back and look at how yards are being obtained through the gra- on the ground 
it doesn't matter. You know, you just have to be able to get chunk yardage on the ground. Now, if Book was able to get that thousand, okay, maybe maybe that's what would have pushed us over the top this year. But this just shows we have to be able to be to have somebody featured that's stealing just chunk yardage. Uh, Brooks right now for Oklahoma's compliment and hurts with 976 yards. It's insane. I mean, this just shows how important this position is in the day and age of how the passing offenses have evolved. It's incredible how important this this position still is, despite the fact that some people, especially in the NFL, and I know the game's different, some people think that yeah, the running back, you just need a few guys that can get you some yards. I mean, no, this shows right here, you have to have somebody that can reel off that chunk yardage, even if it is just your quarterback. Now, I did give you those three teams of the four final four without even mentioning LSU's back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. However, that statistic may not even count for LSU. May not even count for LSU, his 1,290 yards. Have you heard the news yet? Well, we'll get to that news. But first, we got to say what's up to our guys at Breaking Tea. If you are looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn, and then feel free to search the site for great t-shirts and fun sports gifts. That is actually a really cool site. It's it's pretty cool, man. Especially like like it says, especially for somebody like me who's last minute. But I'm, I'm shoot. I'm not shopping for anybody else. I'm buying for myself. Forget that mess. I'm selfish. So as I said, that statistic may not matter. That 1,290 yards may not matter. Here's the news coming out of LSU as of this moment. Again, I haven't heard officially, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is doubtful due to a hamstring injury. Unlikely to suit up against Oklahoma is what I'm reading. How is that going to affect the LSU offense? I don't think it has a huge detriment to him. However, this guy's a threat out of the backfield. He's a threat running the ball. Six and a half yards per carry. 16 touchdowns. Whew. I mean, this is, you know, this is going to show how how good of a quarterback Joe Burrow really is. I mean, 399 yards out of the backfield, 1,689 all-purpose yards. Every time he touches the ball, he's getting about seven yards. That uh, that's, a, that's a second and short, essentially, on every first down if you're giving him the ball. I mean, your next running back, man, this is a, this is a big loss if he's out. Tyreon Davis-Prince, 270 yards, uh, six touchdowns, four and a half a carry. John Emery, I mean, under 200 yards. Your next best running running attack is Joe Burrow at 289 yards. Okay, uh, this is interesting. If they weren't playing Oklahoma, I would be a little more concerned. But on that side of the ball. Sounds like they've got a few guys in trouble. Three guys. How's how's this even happened? Three guys have been suspended this week for Oklahoma. So LSU loses a running back to a hamstring, essentially. At this point, that's pretty much what it's looking like. Ramondre Stevenson is going to be out for Oklahoma. Uh, running back. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys, what are you thinking? 516 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, I know LSU's defense isn't everything that it was. It's actually kind of the offensive has trended up. The defense has taken a step back, and it's not a huge step back. That's still a damn good defense, and you're losing a weapon there. 
you're you're losing a nice a nice nice weapon. Um, they're also losing wide receiver uh, Trey John Bridges. Not a huge concern there um, as far as that goes. As far as the impact on the field, um, also going to be without uh, Ronnie Ronnie Perkins, six three, two hundred fifty one pound D end. That's a little more concerning because of how bad Oklahoma and really the Big Twelve overall their defense just it's just not that good. And when you're losing a pass rusher like this guy, I mean, six sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, 38 tackles, that that hurts, man. That hurts. I mean, Jalen, no pun intended, but Jalen Hurts carries this team. And this is a big loss. I mean, he's a defensive end. He's seventh on the team in tackles. He's second on the team in uh, tackles for loss, first on the team in sacks. This is a big loss for their defense. And when you got a guy like Burrow, now maybe it'll be offset a little bit, by the loss um, of the running back for um, for LSU, but oh man, I, I just find it tough when you you struggle on defense anyway. And I don't know how much I, I think you kind of meet back in the middle. You you struggle on defense. Well, now Edwards Hilaire's out. You kind of gain a step, but then you lose your best pass rusher. You know, but one of your best defensive players. You you lose an offensive complement. I actually think, given the choice between the two, I mean. I think LSU is still sitting pretty. I, I, I really, honestly, man, I like them to win this game by double digits still. It might be even worse because if you can't get to Burrow, oh, boy, that's going to be a long day, kids. Boomer might just get boomed right out of Atlanta. So before we get out of here today, got a couple other things. A couple things. It's going to do a little whip around. James Wiseman, Memphis basketball. He is leaving, signing with an agent, leaving Memphis. Oh, man. Only played in, like, what, 10, 11 games? He was going to be the number one overall pick anyway. Then got into the trouble with Penny Hardaway, buying, uh, moving his family or whatever, and the NCAA kind of said no bueno on that, suspended him, which was crazy to me because I thought for sure he'd be done for the year. But the NCAA kind of plays by their own rules. Maybe in the offseason. I mean, that is prison rules straight up. Uh, maybe in the offseason we'll do a fun show about how crazy and stupid the NCAA is with some of their things. But, yeah, Wiseman's out which really, again, continues to open things up. Uh, one of the few superstars, few clear-cut, you know, top 10 lottery picks is out. I mean, I think that further opens things up for March Madness, which is going to make March Madness even more exciting. So that's going on. Uh, the other guys that are out, a uh, longtime guy, uh, KJ Costello at one time, pretty, you know, big-time recruit. I've talked about him on this show before. He is in the transfer portal for Stanford right now. So he's out, which is just interesting. You know, he shelled us in 2017, and, you know, he thought he was going to be the next big thing, had all kinds of offers from everybody and their brother, and we surprised everybody going to Stanford. Didn't really see that coming. Looked like he was going to be something, and now he's been a little ouchy. Looks like he's going to lose his spot, uh, very likely going to lose his spot. Um. Yeah, man, that that's tough. I'll be interested to see where he goes, though. You know, Hertz is going to be gone. I mean, is it out of the question to think? He's not really Lincoln Riley style. He's really not Lincoln Riley style. Kind of needs to be more of a runner. But Lincoln Riley is a freaking quarterback mercenary, which really I think hurts Oklahoma in the grand scheme of things. Nothing against, um, nothing against Lincoln Riley. I think he's actually a pretty damn good coach. However. If I'm a quarterback and I'm a recruit, I'm not going there. Sorry. And I really think what he's been doing with these transfers, Baker and Kyler and now Jalen, I mean, I think it hurts recruiting overall. 
Um, so let's pick some bowls. By the way, I just seen Tom, Tom Luganville just posted that uh, Frank Gore, oh, this is yesterday morning, or yesterday afternoon, Frank Gore si- Jr. signed with Southern Miss. Congrats, kid. I mean, Frank Gore in the league, man, that guy's so fun to watch, even at his age. That That's awesome. I hope that really is his kid, by the way. I actually didn't know he had a kid. I just seen it pop up on the tweeter here. But I'm pretty sure that seems like, seems like they're about the right age, I guess, at this point. But... Frank Gore Jr. with Southern Miss. That's awesome. And I still love watching Frank Gore. I don't care if he's a hurricane or not. That's one of the few guys from the U that I truly, truly enjoy. And what a career as a running back. Average career is three and a half years in the NFL, last I read. And he's still going strong at one of the toughest positions there is to play in the league. Whew. All right, guys, let's get to some picks. Buffalo Charlotte, Bahamas Bowl. What a great way to... Man, as a third tier bowl, I'm in. I'm gonna take. I'm taking Buffalo in this one. I, I like Buffalo's offense. I know Chris Reynolds throws it all around the yard for Charlotte, but I will take Buffalo. Uh, Jarrett Patterson gets it done on the ground for Buffalo with. Uh, I think he's over 1,500 yards on the year, like 17 touchdowns. But I'm taking Buffalo here. I like Jordan Love and Utah State over Kent State in the Frisco Bowl. I, I'm, I'm a Kent State supporter. I'm a Mac alum, but I think Utah State and Jordan Love is going to be a little too much. Let's get to Saturday. Central Michigan, San Diego State. San Diego State is struggling on offense, but not struggling enough to be beaten by Central Michigan. I'm taking SDU. SDSU. Sorry, Jerry. My buddy Jerry. He's a San Diego State fan. The, the mighty warriors of Montezuma. Uh, Georgia Southern, Liberty, 230 in the Cure Bowl. Give me Georgia Southern in the triple option offense. I think it'll be too much for Liberty. FAU and SMU's really interesting, but I think SMU's played the overall probably the better opponents. They're probably the overall better team. Lane Kiffin's gone. Shane Bouchelle's going to throw it all over the yard. Uh, Florida Atlantic, ten, both 10-win teams. This is going to be a fun one to watch in the Boca Raton Bowl. Um, and it's a, it is a home game for Florida Atlantic. Take the bowl name off of it. it this is a home game. It's in Florida Atlantic Stadium. Uh, Camilla Bowl. Florida International, Arkansas State. Give me Arkansas State. Boise State, Washington, and Chris Peterson's swan song. I don't think he'll be gone for long. Probably just waiting for the right opening or maybe SC. Hmm, interesting. Let's start a rumor. Let's do that. I like Boise State in this one. I I think they're going to be too much. I think they're overall the better team. Washington is really underachieved this year. But Jacob Eason, they say he has all the intangibles, so we'll see. And last game of the day on Saturday is Appalachian State UAB. UAB's offense has been struggling down the stretch, and App State is whew, a couple points away from playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Give me App State big, like real big in this one. The line's 16 and a half. I'd take that all day. I think it's going to be at least 20. So that's it for the show today, guys. Locked on Irish. Remember iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Check us out. Follow us. iTunes or uh, follow us on Twitter. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm tired. It's early, man. It's early on this Friday edition. Uh, Twitter, Facebook at Locked on Irish. So the bowl games get started later today. Make sure you are tuning in. Make sure you're partaking in bad bowl game day. Locked on Irish slash each of the bins made up holiday. That needs to be an official holiday. So have a great weekend, guys. Go Irish, and we will talk to you on Monday.